So for those of you who don't know me or we have never met before, before working with New City, uh, what I currently do, I used to work uh, in the hospitality sector and I, I, I used to work uh, for a brand called Accor, uh, for a company called Accor, uh, which has hotels of different brands and Novotel is one of them. So I used to do marketing and branding uh, for the Novotel. And um, this, this is the Novotel in Vishakhapatnam in Vizag. And um, we had this concept called guest experience stay. What does it mean? Uh, when any employee would join uh, the, the hotel, he would get to stay uh, for a night in the hotel uh, along with his family and have any experience he wants for, he or she wants for free. And, um, and he would get to experience this and he would get to experience this and he would get to experience this. That's the view from the room. It's right on the beach and that's, that's the hotel. He would get to experience all of this for free. Um, and I thought this was a great concept from a marketing and sales point of view, the team that I was part of, because, you know, how can I sell or market something, uh, an experience which I haven't had it for myself, um, right? So personally, it helped me a lot in my work. After my stay, I figured out some nuances which, you know, these formal sites don't tell you. Uh, so I could use them in my content building. Uh, but then again, I, I came to uh, know that it was not just the marketing team, but any staff, uh, no matter what the pay grade is, anyone who joins this company, be it housekeeping, culinary, front office, F&B, hygiene, IT, security, anyone who joins, irrespective of their pay grade, would get this experience. And I'm like, what's the logic? The logic is, how am I supposed to skillfully provide you with a service that I have never experienced before? And, and uh, this, this goes across industries. Uh, if you are in, in um, the luxury cosmetics industry or the food industry, brands account uh, in their budgets a lot for these free samples. Uh, what's the point again? It's not just to make mere customers but brands are looking at brand evangelists. Uh, the, these are the people who are so kicked about your product. They've used it. They're like, wow, this is awesome. And, they, and it's just word of mouth from there. And what's the logic? It's the same. I cannot sell, talk, share, invite you to an experience I haven't had or am having for myself. What's my point? As believers in Jesus... Aren't we all guilty of not doing this with our faith as well? If you are an explorer, not a follower of Jesus, uh, we have a lot of explorers joining us every Sunday. They're part of everything that we do. I'm sure the biggest problem you have with us Christians is that we make these tall claims. But when it actually comes to walking the talk, we are far from it. Our lives are so far from the life of Christ that we claim to worship and follow. Um, and as believers, let me ask ourselves, are we merely peddling the gospel or are we experiencing it for ourselves first and even as we enjoy this experience, 
invite others into this experience. And the flip side is also true. One of the reasons we find it really hard to share the gospel, this is probably one of the top three things Christians find it hard to do. Uh, one of the reasons why we find it really hard to share the gospel is we haven't experienced the full benefits of the gospel in our own daily lives. How many of us can like eat an amazing meal and not talk about it? It's a natural response. Dude, I went to this restaurant's food is mind-blowing. I can see that because I've experienced it. Why doesn't it come with the gospel? Probability is we're trying to merely peddle the gospel. Today I want to introduce uh, us to a skill called gospel fluency. What is gospel fluency? It is the art of preaching the gospel to our own hearts. It's the art of preaching the gospel to our own hearts. And if you are an explorer, uh, this is going to be really meaningful and relatable to you as well. Because firstly, the truth is, we are all, irrespective of who we are, are dealing with the same problems. Christians don't have holier problems. All of us are dealing with the same problems. And secondly, even as we experience this, and, uh, this good news and see how can this really specifically apply to uh, specific areas of my life, our lives, it is an invitation for you to see how practical and meaningful this whole Jesus thing is for you if you want to try it. That being said, let's drive straight into the talk. Um, and uh, before I start, I'd like to give credits uh, to this guy called Akshay Rajkumar. I recently sat under his training on this session and um, there, were, there were a lot of other sessions that were happening. But the session that really spoke to me and I felt this is what I need at this point in time was this. Um, so if, if the talk goes well and if this, all, all of this is making sense to you, the credit goes, goes to him. If it doesn't go well and it's not making sense to you, it's my fault. Yeah? Um, let's go straight into the verse that we're going to be looking at. It's, it's uh, Psalm chapter 42, verse 5. What a Psalm? It is a book in the Old Testament. Um, it, is, it is part of the Bible that is written before Jesus came onto this earth. And it's a fantastic collection of songs and poems um, and amazing literary work, all either written about or pointing to Jesus. And here's the verse that we're going to be looking at. Why, my soul, are you downcast? This is the psalmist writing to his own soul. Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him my Savior and my God. Let's just break this verse down. And before that, allow me to just pray with us. Jesus, this morning, uh, we want to say that our souls are in huge need of you and your work. 
even as we listen to this talk, even as I speak, I pray that every word that I speak will come from you. I will speak nothing uh, out of my own flesh. And even as there are a lot of us here, and each of us are struggling with different kind of things, problems which we probably even, we ourselves don't know yet. Would you come and speak to us, each of us at our points of need this morning? In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. So here's how the framework is going to go. We're going to be looking at two aspects of gospel fluency, which is first, ask yourself. The second thing is preach to yourself. And we're going to do a very practical exercise. We've, we've not done something like this before. So uh, please bear with me. Uh, please do participate even as we do this. The first thing, ask yourself. This is how the psalmist says, Why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Have you realized that most of the unhappiness or sadness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself. Let that sink in. We are constantly listening to ourselves. There are million voices in our head that are constantly speaking to us and sometimes it's just so exhausting. One gen I mean our generation is dealing with mental health like never before. It's, it is an epidemic. The best of us are affected by it. There are plenty of artists who are writing so many songs out there about these, these voices in their head and, and uh, it's weighing them down, it's crushing them down. And, and sadly for some of them, these voices got the better of them and they ended up taking their lives. And one of them who is close to all of our hearts is this guy, Chester Bennington. How many Linkin Park fans here? Just before he uh, committed suicide, the last, one of the, the, the second last song that he released, uh, it was actually a very, uh, I mean, in retrospect, was pointing to what was going to come. And it was so sad. The song called Heavy, uh, these are the lyrics. Says, I don't like my mind right now. Stacking up problems that are so unnecessary. Wish that, wish that I could slow things down. I want to let go, but there's comfort in the panic. And I drive myself crazy, thinking everything's about me. Yeah, I drive myself crazy, because I can't escape the gravity. I'm holding on. Why is everything so heavy? Holding on, so much more than I can carry. I keep dragging around what's bringing me down. If I just let go, I'd be set free. Here's the thing, if you're a professional artist or an entrepreneur in this crazy demanding city, um, the feelings that Chester wrote about aren't unfamiliar to us. Let's be honest. These feelings are not unfamiliar to us. We all do go through them. But when was the last time we paused and asked ourselves, hey, why am I feeling this way? And this is not a rhetoric. Like genuinely ask ourselves, why am I feeling this way? Uh, yes, there is a surface reason like, you know, I didn't get the promotion I deserved for, I worked all my life for, um, I don't think I'll make 
make it ever big in this ocean of talent over here what's the point of my existence i don't think i can nobody can replace her or him in my life so it, it my life is just downhill from here i know these are all reasons uh for why our soul is downcast but this morning the invitation is to dig deeper and ask why wh- why is my heart so crushed and broken by this what is the core issue let me just let you in from an example from my own life growing up i always thought i'm the best at anything very honest uh and people around me also made me feel that way um i was one of those popular kids in school got voted as school captain and all of that and then went on to college and i was so loved by everyone my principal thought my conduct was exemplary according to the certificate he gave me um even at church i started worship leading at a very young age uh, i guess i was about uh, 12 when i preached my first sermon in kids church and i preached my first sermon in the main service at 18 everything was going well all my all my parents friends were like oh wish our child could be like your son and all these things um and even at work i i had the favor of everyone like the managing director guy would bypass all protocol just to get on a call with me and get work done and um please don't get me wrong i'm not trying to boast in fact it is to the contrary to sum up i was untamed and arrogant but after moving to bombay god really really started dealing with my heart i suddenly was no longer the best um my flaws started to shine much brighter than my strengths and sometimes i even doubt am i good at all you know especially in this role very very often i genuinely feel am i really good i don't think i'm cut out for this um all of this is because now i have people actually being objective to me um they they giving me feedback which is much needed for my growth but the thing is because of my past and all the praise that i heard from people taking criticism became really really hard i mean i'm deeply deeply affected by it literally like the psalmist says my soul becomes downcast especially after marriage my wife is brutally honest and objective for my own benefit i remember this one time i led worship and everything everyone was like we were so blessed by it you know god spoke to us um and all of that and uh, she just gave me a really objective feedback which i needed it and that's it i ignored everything else i ignored the people who said god actually spoke to them i ignored people who said they were blessed and i was crushed disproportionately and yes the opposite is also true when when things go well and there's great feedback i'm like god who god like i'm floating in these compliments right after sunday it's almost like after i preach on sunday i need another sermon for myself dude calm down or dude this doesn't define your life in these moments i ask myself why am i feeling the way i am feeling yes negative criticism is one but what is at the heart or core of my issue the issue is i see that my value my sense of worth everything comes from the things that i do i am only as good as my last sermon i am only as good as my last worship session 
In other words, I'm only as good as my last performance. Isn't that relatable? I mean, at work, if you're an artist, you're only as good as the last song that you've written or the last project that you've had. You're, if you're a sales guy, you're only as good as your last sales target. What is it for you? What makes your soul downcast? What has robbed you of your joy? What has robbed us of our joy? What is underneath that? We need to get to the heart of it. We literally need to stop being strangers with our heart. Befriend it. Speak to it. Care for it. Get to know it. If that's the first aspect, the second aspect is preach to yourself. What is the psalmist doing? Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. You know, gospel fluency or preaching to your heart is not psyching yourself up. It's not self-motivation. It's not saying, hey, you can do it, man. Hey, you've got it in you. You know, let nobody steal your thunder, dude. Like, this is your thing. World is your stage. It's your oyster. What? All of those things. We know where all of this self-motivation takes us. We get lost in a loop of self-motivation when we fail self-pity. Self-motivation, self-pity. It's an endless loop. Gospel fluency is not psyching ourselves up with false self-motivation. But it is reminding ourselves of the truth about our Savior. It is reminding ourselves of Jesus and His good news, His perfect and flawless life and His death for our flaws and His resurrection and how it gives us hope in the here and now because He's working on us and one day we're going to be made perfect just like Him. Gospel fluency involves seeing how that eternal truth applies, makes sense and transforms our life in the here and now. And our hearts need this preaching. And I'm not just talking about Sunday. I mean, this is probably not even 1% of what our hearts need. This happens just once a week. I mean, have you ever wondered why um, we've come to church, we've had a great Sunday service, so inspired, we're like, wow, this is it. This is the turning point of my life. From tomorrow, my life is going to change. And then we wake up on Monday, and we're like, oh no. <laughs> it's the same again. What is happening to us? Christ is being preached to our heart once a week for 30 to 40 minutes. But the rest of the time, our hearts are listening to a different sermon. The one which our work preaches us, the people at colleague, I mean at our work, our colleagues, they preach to us. The movies or shows that we watch, they have a message for us. They are preaching to us. The restaurants we go to, they have a message for us. They are preaching to us. The advertisements that we are bombarded with, that's some insane preaching happening to us. The stand-up comedy gigs we go to, all of them are packed with some message or the other. They are preaching to us. The songs we listen to, they are preaching to us. 
Have we seen it like that? This is all the more the reason why we need to preach the gospel to ourselves. The author of Hebrews, um, he says, See to it, brothers, sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. What this is assuming, what the writer is assuming is, even a day's break, even a moment's break is enough. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying stop working, stop going to office or stop watching TV or stop going to these gigs. All I'm saying is we need to process the message that they are preaching to us with the message of Christ. They need to pass through the filter of the message of Christ. Now, how does that practically work? Let's go back to the issue I shared with you guys. Um, that I'm only as good as my last performance, my last preaching assignment or my sermon. And this is where my value or significance comes from. And in this situation, how can I ask my heart to put its hope in God? How can I practically do it? Yes, the gospel is there, it's true, but how can I practically do it? The gospel gives us several promises. And um, these are the promises we can hold on to. And the promise that my soul right now currently needs is that I am cherished and I am approved in Jesus. Because of his finished work on my behalf. And um, bear with me, I've written down a sermon for my own heart this morning. And I'm just going to read it out for you. A practical, very vulnerable demonstration of what my heart needs. It's going to be up there. This is me preaching to my heart. Felix, I see that you're feeling crushed and broken. But for a moment, let me turn your gaze to Jesus and invite you to bring your crushed and broken heart to him. Everything he did was perfect and flawless. Yet, he chose for your sake to take on every failure of yours. Everything you are guilty about, everything you are embarrassed about, he took it all upon himself. Felix, God the Father himself punished Jesus for all of your flaws. Even as you feel crushed, remember that Jesus was actually, literally, ultimately crushed for you. Even as you feel broken, remember that Jesus was actually literally ultimately broken for you. But he didn't deserve any of this. Despite living the perfect life on the cross, the Father looked away from him so that he can look on you with love. He forsook him so that he can accept you, embrace you and cherish you. Felix, remember... Remember that Jesus didn't stay buried for long. He wasn't defeated by your sins and flaws. He rose with victory in his hands. Every struggle that you are facing, he has already, it has already been defeated by Jesus. When he walked out alive from that grave, remember that this victory is yours. 
Felix, remember that you are not your sermons. You are not your worship sessions. You are not defined by the good things that you do. You are not defined by the bad things that you do. You are not defined by people's praises or their criticisms. You are not defined by how good a child you are to your parents. You are not defined by how good a husband you are to Taru or how good a pastor you are to New City. You are defined by one and only one thing. You are a fully accepted, deeply loved, highly cherished child of the absolutely perfect heavenly father, the creator of all universe. Jesus is your elder brother and your father has given you all the rights due to Jesus. I know that there are times you might forget all of this. That is why he has sent his Holy Spirit to constantly, time and time again, day in and day out, drown out the voices of the world and the voices inside of you to remind you of who you are in Jesus. This is the real you. Never forget this. Never forget this. This morning, let's ask our hearts, what is the sermon that our heart needs? There's no one sitting in this room who knows it better than you do. I want to actually close with one practical exercise. I'll request uh, Surya and Isaac to pass uh, some sheets around that I got printed. And this morning, we're literally going to write down, if you're more comfortable doing it on your phones, you can do that. We're literally going to write down a sermon for our own heart. It can be one line, it can be one para, or it can be an entire page. We're literally going to write down. And this is what we're going to do. Whatever works for you, Whatever helps you concentrate the best. If closing your eyes helps, you can do that. Imagine a room where there is only one person. And that one person is sitting in front of you. And that one person is you. And you can see that person bare. You can see their heart. You can see everything they are struggling with. And that one person is you. Handed out in your sheets is a table. It's called the Gospel Fluency Table. This is again a tool developed uh, by this organization called City to City, uh, which really helped me, really, really helped me. If you're an explorer this morning, a quick look at the Gospel Problem column will show you that these are not any holier problems. This is what all of us are struggling with on a daily basis. Even as you ask your heart this morning, why are you downcast? Why are you feeling the way you're feeling? Let me invite you to dig deeper the chances are 
that at the root of it are is either one of these problems or a couple of these problems combined together and then there's a gospel promise right next to it this is the truth that jesus is offering to us this is not an empty promise these are not empty promises that our careers and our hopes for a great future make us which which will elude us one time or later this is a promise sealed with his own life this is a promise sealed with his own blood that he shed for you and i on that cross before we start this exercise allow me to tell us that our city needs its church to first start enjoying the full benefits of the gospel by itself our city needs its church to first start enjoying the full benefits of the gospel by itself